Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke, and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, is once again across the internet from me at an undisclosed location. How are you doing, Brad? Well, I went to bed in my own bed in my own home, but I woke up in some sort of snow-covered hellscape. I'm not sure where I am, to be completely honest. North, more north than where I went to sleep. I was looking at the window this morning and you know when you're playing like a video game that has seasons? Yeah. And like the seasons are changing and there's still like a little bit of snow on the ground but it's all melting and stuff. That's what it looked like out my window. Yeah. There's like there was like 4 inches of snow on the ground. Like I don't even think I'm exaggerating. Like it was nuts. Like it... I hate it. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of snow out here too. It's it's ridiculous. Pretty sure all my plants are dead too. Yeah, I was, I'll talk about my plants in one second, but that that was the voice of John Lamont. He is also joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty great, other than the, just the awful cold grossness. I I literally was talking with my wife last night, and I made a joke about the the standard end of April blizzard, and then I woke up this morning with snow. And oh, so this is your like, fault. Why did I? It's, it's my your, fault, yeah. You did I jinxed this. us. I brought this upon us. <sighs> That's brutal. That is brutal. So, Bennett, you were saying that you planted something? Yeah. So, Alex and I, like, just moved to this new apartment this year. So, we now have a backyard. So, we were, like, had some plants in a garden we were starting. And we had moved most of our indoor plants to, like, planters outside so they could get more sun and water. Literally, like, last week. And then I just, like, woke up and they're all just covered in snow. Alex brought them back inside. But I, I think that they're probably not going to last. Who knows? What about you? I know you've been working on a garden as well. So, I planted strawberries on the weekend. And I also planted, like, a baby peach tree like already so grown i'm expecting the peach tree to yeah it's already grown like okay, I planted yeah, it by seed like a transplant whatever. yeah it's probably like three feet tall or something i'm cool. expecting it to like i'm hoping it'll make it because this is only like a couple days of snow and then it's gonna be like 16 by friday or something mm-hmm. but i did cover my strawberry plants that i also planted with like that landscaping material yeah that's smart yeah so i, I don't know but this isn't a gardening podcast unfortunately <laughs> that would be pretty cool i would love yeah. to talk about gardening for an hour that'd be awesome On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Apple's surprisingly packed spring-loaded event. I guess it's sort of surprising. We sort of knew that some of this stuff was going to show up, but I don't think, at least I didn't have the big picture of all of the products. So uh, we're going to talk about AirTags, the new iPad Pro, the new Apple TV, the Refresh Podcast app, the cool-looking iMac that some people love and some people hate. And of course, the biggest announcement from the event, the the purple iPhone 12, which is obviously like the, the killer device that Apple's releasing this spring. All those reports of the iPhone 12 mini not selling very well. About to change, people. <laughs> About to change. I wonder if that was the reason, right? Like to, to I don't know. To yeah, it was the whole plan. The purple. That's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Because like Apple never just like drops colors like this, right? Like when, has this ever happened before? 
Not as long as I've covered apples, as far yeah. as I can think of. I'm sure there's been, there has to have been. I think they used to release the product red variants, like a little bit delayed. I think there was a couple times when that wasn't available uh, with the first set. And then later on, they would release the product red color. That makes sense. But yeah, not quite like this. So this is like just out of nowhere. They were like, oh, we forgot about this last iPhone event. Uh, and then just like pulled his iPhone. Like, hey, it's a purple iPhone. Get yeah, there's there's a surprising amount of coverage for it at the event for a phone they've already announced. I think it was the most popular story on our site yesterday. Yeah, yeah. people were really into that purple iPhone. Yeah, so crazy stuff. Before we get to all the Apple stuff, Bennett hit us with the hottest news of the week. So I'm not going to be able to edit the audio into this one, so I'm just going to sing it. <laughs> so the first one and i'm sure anyone that was affected by this already knows but there was a huge like nationwide rogers outage uh, earlier this week it was caused by an update to an ericsson hardware software situation somewhere that basically like crashed their network and it's back up now so rogers fido chatter people are back up now but Rogers came out yesterday and announced that they would be giving a bill of credits to those people affected. Our, our theory is that people are probably getting like three to four dollars probably back. Yeah, but uh, what a generous carrier! <laughs> it was nice to see Rogers like at least honestly when when this went down, I didn't even expect them to like tell us what happened. So I was surprised that they even like shared the blog post by that like uh, George guy, and then the fact that they're giving a bill of credit also surprised me. So eh, you're not gonna. I'm not going to please people, but surprising. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I, I knew 100% that they were going to have to explain it because this is like one of the longest outages that I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think that they were going to do the bill credit thing. I thought they were just going to pretend that that wasn't, wasn't a possibility. To their credit, they did. A, a few bucks is a few bucks. Like, whatever. That's good to see that they're acknowledging it in some sense. I think my takeaway from it was that if you read that post, it's essentially just a press release of Rogers explaining what happened in a way they're not taking any responsibility for the problems and they're just blaming it on an ericsson software update it's not like we bought this ericsson carrier telecom equipment and it is ours and there was an issue with it it's like it was it was all ericsson's fault that that was like sort of how it read to me anyway what's funny there too is like if you have an android phone the updates have to be approved by rogers as far as i'm aware has that changed john do you know no i think that's still kind of the case um it sort of depends on the phone and there's a whole bunch of uh, details so like i think that doesn't really apply to pixel phones but like samsung phones and stuff like that that typically have more carrier promotion there's a bit of a carrier angle there where the carriers work with manufacturers to make sure that updates don't impact anything but that's like software on the phone it's it's a little bit different but that's i mean they the they stuff. go through all those hoops to do that on a phone software and it seems like they did not do that on their network software which is arguably way more important, I would say. Yeah. That's kind of where I was going with that one. Um, but anyway, you know, if you're a Rogers customer, you're pissed. Sorry. That's, you know, happens to all of us. Maybe next year it'll be Bell. Maybe next year it'll be Telus. But these things happen. Moving on to some more exciting news. There's a Twitter account called Vaccine Hunters. I, I'm hoping that everybody kind of knows about it now, but I just wanted to shout it out again. Like, it, it is a huge resource if you're looking to get a vaccine, especially if you live in a hotspot anywhere in the country. And they're basically just tweeting, like, all day constantly, like, hey, these... Appointments are open. These appointments are open. If you're this age in this hotspot and this postal code, and if you're looking to get a vaccine and you're like, I am lost because the regulations are changing and the rules are changing and I'm not good at the internet, 
follow Vaccine Hunters. It is at Vax Hunters Can. So V A X H U N T E R S C A N. And they've got, I would say, I as far as I can tell, they seem to be the best resource on finding vaccines for COVID. It is 100%. Yeah. So definitely follow that. The account's grown over the course of like just a couple of days too. Like it's massive now. Yeah. I think over the weekend, it was starting to get a lot more coverage and it just started to pop it off. Yeah. We're, we're hoping to do a more in-depth feature on on the twitter account and and sort of the people behind it that's in the process right now so hopefully that appears in the next couple of weeks on the site sweet i'm just hoping to get vaxxed you know <laughs> be sweet it would be nice i know I, this whole time i was like okay i'm a young person i work from home i am in a hot like i'm downtown but like i'm probably going to be at the end of the list but now i'm kind of hoping that i'll be able to like find a way to get vaxxed before the summer ends but we'll see i should get one next week Oh, really? Congrats. That's exciting. Yeah, I should. Nice. We'll see how it goes, but I should be getting one next week. I have an appointment. Nice. Super sick. Um, and then the the last sort of news bit, kind of news, kind of just a little promotion for the site, but we have our Mother's Day gift guide up. There's some pretty cool things in there. Lots of tech, you know, speakers, smartwatches. Uh, there's this cool like lamp that I kind of found from this website called Fully that I'm oh, a big fan of. Sick. I know it's really expensive, but very cool. But yeah, you know, just be aware Mother's Day coming up May 9th. And if your mom's a techie, we have a pretty cool gift guide for that. And if she's not just May 9th coming up, get some flowers, you know, be nice to your mom. That's all I, all I got for, for news this week. The biggest one was the Rogers outage really. In. Cool. Let's, let's hit the Apple stuff. There's a ton of stuff shown off. Um, I really didn't think there was going to be this many new products. I thought uh, like maybe the AirTags wouldn't be there. Maybe the iMac wouldn't be there. But but Apple like thankfully confirmed all the rumors that I've been writing for what well, we all have been writing for months and months. I'm going to talk about the few things that I covered at the event. And then we'll go down and each of us will sort of talk about the different stories that we wrote. But first, I want to talk about the most important announcement, the gorgeous purple iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 mini. It's exactly what you think it is. It's a weird name for a color. Of course, Apple couldn't just call it purple. It's got to be what? called gorgeous purple. Really? Yeah. Usually they're yeah. so straightforward with their color names. Like Apple is the one company that's just like blue, pink. Depends on what it is. There's like every once in a while, there's like a color that's like a little wacky named. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess I'm. I guess I'm not super surprised, but I didn't know it was called gorgeous purple. Well, wow. I think you're right. Yeah, I would say Apple's not really that straightforward. Like they always do, like oh, space gray and stuff like that, which isn't that fancy, but it's like kind of fancy. At least they don't change it every year, like Samsung. It's like mystic black, aqua black, like black with three different colors of a rainbow inside of it, or a hue. <laughs> Definitely true. As, as far as phone manufacturers go, I think Google with the Pixel is the only one that's really, like, simple. Like, their phone colors are just black. Oh, totally. No, but that's, that's like, kind of confusing because the, the name is just black. It's not black. Like, it's not – the name isn't black. It's just black. Like, what is that? It's kind yeah. of funny and kind of – it's, like, overreaching to, for simplicity. Like, just call it black. Everyone calls it black. I hate – they're just trying to make fun of, you know, Apple and, and Samsung for having the fancy color names like that's which I get. But just just call it black. That's what it is. You know? Yep. Yep. My takeaway was like, this is a nice looking color for a phone that I already really like. I don't know. That, that's all that I really have to say about it. Like, I think it's available uh, for pre-order Friday, April 23rd. And then it's supposed to start. Comes out on the 30th. On the 30th. Yeah. With 30th, iOS 14.5. Costs you think 
it comes with it. No, it definitely comes with iOS 14.5. We just don't know if iOS 14.5 is coming to the rest of Apple devices on the 30th. My theory is May 1st because the new podcasting app is coming out in May with iOS 14.5. iOS 14.5 and the five print of other Apple press releases says it's coming out next week. If it's next week and in May, it has to be, or not the 30th, the first, which is Saturday, but then again on the Saturday. So I don't know. It's a little lost, but definitely seems to be coming very quickly. Sorry, little side note there. I guess the only thing to unpack about this is like, why now? Why release a purple device halfway through a product's like initial life cycle? Obviously, they're going to sell, keep selling the iPhone 12 after the iPhone 13 or whatever it's going to be called comes out. But like, Mm -hmm. this is the first time that I can think of other than like, John, you mentioned this off the podcast, the product red devices where Apple has dropped a color mid cycle, which I think is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, why is it to try to sell the iPhone mini more? Is that the point? Mm-hmm. It's it's probably to help perk up sales a little bit. And I think it might also be almost a preemptive move with the chip shortage. There could be some issues with supply with iPhones when the iPhone 13 comes out. So if there's this really nice iPhone 12 color, then some people might be willing to go for the older model with the nice color rather than Good get point. the brand new iPhone 13. So it could help alleviate stock issues and give people another option. I think it's probably just to sell more iPhones. Like that's probably the main goal. Yeah. The only other theory that I was kind of throwing around, but I don't even really believe is like, maybe they were always planning to do a purple one, but they just like fumbled the ball on it before the release of iPhone 12 or something. And that one's a little more skeptical because it's not like it's a different anything other than color, but I don't know. The purple got lost. Like they, they had the purple <laughs> color. It was, it was being shipped to Apple HQ and just got lost in the mail for six months. Yeah, it was stuck in the Suez Canal. Oh, yeah. oh exactly. no. There you go. <laughs> okay, so that, that's enough about the purple iPhone. Um, this The next one that we're going to talk about was like 100% my favorite announcement from the event because I'm a big fan of the Apple TV. I literally have used it for years as like my main streaming device. So this is an upgraded version of the current Apple TV 4K in the sense that like it still looks like the same black box. Nothing's changed about the design of the the device itself. It just has an A12 Bionic chip and a brand new remote that's been fully redesigned. It's like got squared off edges, different buttons, but most importantly, actually a directional pad that you don't have to swipe around on. But from from the sounds of like the press release, you can swipe on it if you want to, but yep. you can also use it as as like a regular directional pad. So and like as a the click best wheel. of both words. Yeah, a click wheel. I think this is long overdue. In a sense, this is Apple listening to years of complaints about the Siri remote. Bennett, I know you don't hate the Siri remote. You like it. You have like this interesting, or maybe not like it, but you have like this interesting opinion on it. Do you want to just explain that? There are there are instances where it can be faster for sure. I think that's, I think where it really gets down to it. Like once you use it a lot and you get it dialed in, like you can really like flow through the menus I find very quickly um, as opposed to like click, 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 click. Like if you're typing something in that like line of text or like a square box of text that's, you know, where anywhere on a TV, it's like pretty quick to be swiping through. It's almost like swipe texting on an Android phone or an iPhone, I guess now they have it. But yeah, it's not the greatest. It was a little small for my liking, but the new one's cool. I like the click wheel coming back. I hope that it has that sort of tactile, like tick, 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 tick feeling as you go around like from the old ipods like an old school ipod yeah i hope so and the other thing i like is it's actually kind of a combination of like the first gen apple tv remote and the siri remote in like design it's aesthetic like it basically looks like a the 
that while the Siri remote was in the spotlight, the old Apple TV remote was in the back, just like pumping iron. Like I'm, no, I'm coming back, baby. Like I'm getting jacked up. I'm getting huge. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm coming back. And, and now it's like twice the size of it was with that old Apple TV. If you remember the first gen Apple TVs, if you guys ever had one of those. Yeah. Um, but that's still the same, like stainless steel and black button design. So I think that was kind of cool. The only other thing that I wanted to mention here is like the Apple TV HD, which is the non 4K capable model, will also now get the new uh, Siri remote and the Siri remotes being sold separately for what is it like $69? Yeah. There's a bunch of stories yesterday I saw from like Android blogs saying that like that's more than like an Amazon streaming stick or more than the Chromecast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Uh, I was just going to say there are pluses, you know, it's, it's more metal. It's got like lots of glass involved. The Apple TV has, I would argue like maybe a more straightforward like design and those wallpapers so nice or the screensavers not wallpapers i like it i've always found it the best streaming platform and device but it's also expensive right like that's the one thing that's hard to defend like the new apple tv costs 200 229 that's a ton of money for a streaming device but how long have you had it for to drop the price yeah that's true i've had it forever like more than four years at this point yeah i'm still using my apple yeah so like it's definitely an investment but I'm, I kind of fall more on the side of, you know, I look at the Apple TV and I'm like, yeah, it's it's nice, but it's it's a lot of money to do something that's like, I don't know, I can get from so many other places for significantly less cost. Like well, even just the, like the Roku TV I have, TV. it has like enough basic streaming apps and services that I don't need anything. Like I have a Chromecast, but I almost never use it because the Roku TV does pretty much everything else and I haven't had to pay any extra money to, to get any of that stuff other than just the subscriptions so i believe your tv model also has airplay and home kit support now too but i could be wrong mine does possibly depends on the roku tv i think they're rolling it out to all roku devices now so all of them should have it at some point depending on how old they are but john's is only like two years old so it should get it the one thing that i would say about the apple tv's like app ecosystem is that when a new like not even just when a new streaming service launches like the, the world that we live in in Canada with streaming platforms is very different than the States as well as the rest of the world. And when those apps come to Canada or when a new app is released, often the best version of that app comes to the Apple TV first. Not not always, but that's often the case. So that's one of the advantages that it has. But the, yeah. the, other, the only other thing before we move on that I wanted to mention about this that is really weird is I saw reporting yesterday that it features HDMI 2.1 which is required for 120 hertz. 4K. 120 hertz, 4K specifically. Yeah, uh, yeah, 4K specifically. Yeah, good point. But also gaming, right? The Apple TV 4K isn't a gaming platform, but it has games on it. Apple Totally really a gaming platform. It be- Everyone's got an Apple Arcade subscription. Everyone's got a, a, a MiFi compatible controller. I know you can do every controller now, but yeah. I'm Before you couldn't. Yeah, I know, I know. I wrote, I wrote a story like five years ago at this point where like, I genuinely thought that the Apple TV 4K could become a viable gaming platform. There was like potential there. It could have been like, I think I argued, I'd have to read it again, but it was like, I argued it as having the potential of being like the Wii of this generation of consoles. This is like five years ago when it, when mm-hmm. it first came out. That didn't happen. Not going to happen. It's cool that you can play games on it. I know people out there that do. It's just weird that it has HDMI 2.1 and there was no announcement regarding 120 hertz support. I think that that's something that's coming probably at WWDC 2021 in two months. 
and tvOS 15. Like that, that's a thing that they're going to add to it. Apple wouldn't add that feature to it. I know that that's also required for some of the other frame rate and HDR stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that that's coming. They just haven't revealed it yet. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a larger push at WWDC towards 120 hertz, um, since there's clearly like the hardware aspect with the with the Apple TV 4K and rumors are, you know, iPhone 13 will have at least 120 hertz display option in yeah, the myriad of different uh, configurations that'll come in. So yeah, hopefully we see something at WWDC, maybe a software push to bring more games to Apple TV. There will, there will be something. There has to be. Yeah, it's definitely just like hedging your bets. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, I mean, you've had your Apple TV 4K for years. So, you know, if you buy one now and you want to like say game streaming finally comes to like Apple's platforms in a cohesive like app based way, then the Apple TV will be ready for 120 hertz 4K game streaming if that happens anytime in the next like four or five years. I want to talk about the color correction thing. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Man, that is amazing. Like that is like... For someone who like reviews TVs and is like always tweaking TV settings to like try to get it to be as good as possible, the fact that like you can now what it is though, right? Right, right, right. So TVs come in all different like color space spaces. You probably don't notice because you only have one TV and you look at it, so that's normal to you. But if you go to your friend's house, it might look a little different because it's a little bit of a different TV, for better or for worse. The new Apple TV, and I'm hoping that this comes to older Apple TVs via an update, will essentially play this like dot matrix on the screen, and then you'll take your iPhone scan it with the front facing camera it'll like flash some colors and stuff and then it will use like the chips and learning on the devices to essentially color correct your tv to be as standardized as possible so that anyone with an apple tv if they set it up this way should be getting like the best color performance or the most accurate color performance they can out of the their tv plus the apple tv it's really cool that, that is really neat Mm-hmm. That's something that you pay like tons of money for from some sort of professional service that who knows if it'll be as good, but you can now do like in your home. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of like Sonos, just like true play where you like set it to like, it goes bling, 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 bling. And it's like making sounds. You just like walk around your room with an iPhone, like sort of mapping out your space so it can tweak the sound to sound better in your space. But now this is kind of like on the screen. Yeah. I thought it was really cool and really smart. I expect more companies to probably make their own versions of it shortly or the next few years, I guess. Cool. So the the other device that I'm I'm going to talk about are the AirTags. I'm so tired of writing rumors of AirTags. I think I talked about that last week on the podcast. Been doing it for like three years at this point. The things like even showed up in an Apple support video like two years ago. So I was like hyped that they're finally revealed. Kind of somewhat lackluster because we all already knew everything about them. They're a Bluetooth tracking device. Like that's it. That's what they are. But what's special about them is they leverage Apple's Find My Network, which features billions of of devices. Other Bluetooth tracking companies like Tile also have their own crowdsource networks. But because this device uses Find My, it already has this built-in library of like a bazillion devices. So as long as it works, iPhones, iPads, Macs, everything. So as long as it works the way that Apple says it will, it will likely be one of the better trackers out there. That said, there's also some other interesting stuff, like it has a built-in U1 chip that allows iPhones that also have that technology to more closely pinpoint the location of the AirTag. By more closely pinpoint too, it's like if the AirTag is to your left, it will point directly to it. Like, And I think that's iPhone 11s and newer that have U1 chips or U1 bands, if I'm correct. 
I believe the Apple Watch Series Six has it too. So that's only oh, okay. uh, only three, not three devices, like three series of devices that have it. But that's cool too. That's kind of like next generation Bluetooth finding your device stuff. I've used Tiles products for years. I love them. I think they're really mm-hmm. cool. I have one in my wallet. I have one in my bag. When I traveled a lot, I had one in my suitcase. I lose Smart. my wallet all the time. I lose my phone all the time in my house. I would I would use them. The reverse tracking to get your phone to ring exactly. is really smart. Yeah. I did it like almost every day in the morning, like back when we used to go to an office. I couldn't find my phone yeah. or my wallet when I'm trying to get out the door and I'd, I would use the reverse tracking to find it. So I'm excited about this. Apparently you can tap your iPhone to one. If you find like someone else's, you can tap your iPhone to it and it will show you like this belongs to Brad Bennett and you can oh, call him really? here to let him know you. Yeah, apparently you can set that up. I was, cool. That was in an MKBHD video. So it's not from Apple, but I saw that. I assume it's right. Uh, I read that that NFC feature also works with uh, Android devices. So if you find oh. an AirTag and you tap it with your Android oh, phone, you'll cool. also be able to get that information, which is pretty neat. I, I'm surprised that Apple added something like that in, but it's it's really good because like not everybody has iPhones. And that was kind of, for me at least, one of the weaknesses I saw with the platform is, you know, in, in North America, like there's a pretty high amount or a pretty large amount of people who use iPhones and Apple products. So it's probably not an issue, but in some places, you know, the vast majority of people use Android phones and iPhones are such a small percentage that I I find it difficult to believe the find my network will work as well as something like tile, which Mm -hmm. is cross platform and works with so many different devices. The other thing to note about tile too, is that they offer different form factors, right? Like I have a tile Mm -hmm. wallet, I think it's called. The wallet one is the coolest one. It slides into your wallet. Then there's also like little sticky tiles. I have one attached to my bike. So it's not like I'm going to stop using tile. I think for me, like Apple has this history of taking established products for better or worse and and usually doing something better with them. So for me, I'm curious if that's actually true this time. Like, is the U1 chip worth it? Does the device work better? Does it really have year-long battery life? Can I actually just use any, not not any watch battery, but the specific watch battery with it when the battery dies? Or like, are the things that Apple has promised about it true? Yeah. Yeah. I think the the last thing I want to mention is that if you're an Hermes fan, you know, if you're a fan of fine yeah. handcrafted leather goods, um, <laughs> there's an, so Apple has like Hermes watch bands that they've been making for years. And Hermes is just like a luxury leather bag watch band company You're I guess. pointing to it on your wrist right now right like th- that's an hermes uh, no this is apple just an apple app. one um I, I don't have the hermes money not yet yeah there's like an hermes air tags there's three of them and they come with an hermes like leather keychain there's three different keychains and they're like they go from like three to five hundred dollars i think if i remember correctly and they come the uh the apple t- or the air tag that comes with it. it doesn't have like an apple logo it has like an hermes logo etched into it so you, you do get a free Apple or AirTag with the Hermes ones, which I kind of thought was funny. But then again, I'm not sure who's spending like $500 on this little product. Small price to pay to let everybody know how much of a baller you are. Yep. Yeah, except like it's a tiny device that's almost unnoticeable. So I don't know if people are even going to. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Crazy. But yeah, it's hilarious. More expensive than an iPad. Sometimes when you're at like, when I when we would be at like, or when I would be at Apple events, you'd see like, a tech reporter dude who quite obviously like Hermes sent him the new strap that has like two straps built into one Dublator. Like, at this Apple event. Yeah. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah. It's like a classic Hermes strap. It's not even an Apple one. It's like they had it before on their watches. <laughs> it's a long storied history. That, like someone would have that on and like, <laughs> it, it was just always so funny. So uh, pricing wise, the 
AirTag costs $39 for one, and a pack of four costs $129, and they're available to order in Canada starting April 23rd. Um, what's the next device that we're going to talk about? I guess, John, do you want to, do you want to talk about the iMac? Yeah, I can, I can jump into that part. <laughs> ben, it's, ben, it's ready. He's hyped. So yeah, that was probably one of the bigger announcements at the event yesterday. They released the new iMacs. These have been rumored for a while, uh, that they would return to, you know, the kind of colorful variant with all different kinds of colors and not just, uh, silver and gray, that it would be a thinner or kind of more boxed off look like the pro display XDR. So I think, I think we got exactly what had been rumored new M1 chip and all that jazz. So I think on the M1 side, like that was pretty expected and I'm really interested to see what performance is like in this compared to some of the other M1 devices that have already come out like the MacBook. And I actually, I think the part of the announcement that was the most interesting to me was when they showed that breakdown of the logic board and thermal system of the old Intel iMacs compared to the one in the new that was cool m1 macbooks and the m1 mac or sorry the m1 imac and the new one yeah it looks like the same logic board that you would find in a macbook like it was just super small had two tiny fans i think it is but is supposedly so much more powerful yeah i just found that really interesting and i can't wait to see uh the reviews that come out to see how well the m1 actually does stack up in in the imac compared to you know, a full-on Intel desktop chip. I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to see. You know, with the whole M1 versus Intel thing, there's kind of been some thought that Intel is still going to be okay on the desktop side. But if the M1 is really that powerful that it can take on Intel in the desktop space, then it's, it's going to spell trouble for them. Oh, I have no doubt that it will. Yeah. Bennett, what were your thoughts? I was just going to say, like when John was talking about the small logic board, the people that keep complaining, like, oh, they still have the chin on the iMacs. That chin on the iMacs is like all the computer parts. Like the the whole iMac yeah. is just screen and the chin, like the tiny chin, which you're like, that's a huge chin, yeah. but that chin is really small. That's the computer tower. Like my giant computer tower down here fits into the chin on an iMac. That's And the iMacs are, took my Apple Watch off for this. They're like 11 millimeters thin, which in the pictures, I don't think it comes across, but it's about this thin. Like the screen, like a, a thin, it's a one millimeter thinner, thicker than an Apple watch, which is nuts. Like, I mean, is it necessary? Probably not, but very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. Like I, so I had two takeaways. Like I think the fact that they're going back to colors. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Super cool. Makes them stand out from other devices, even though they already kind of did like PC all-in-ones, Windows 10 all-in-ones. Mm-hmm. The design, undeniably sick. Like, I, I really like it. I was kind of surprised that there's a lot of people out there that, that weren't fond of it. Um, and that a lot of the complaints were about the chin. Where the, That's where the computer is. Like, where do you want them to put it? I, I guess people want it on the back, but like... And I guess that kind of makes sense because you wouldn't necessarily see the back. Like, they could have had like a little like bop out in the middle and just like put it back there but 
I don't know, the chin is cool. And I guess we should say also the speakers are in there. And I think that's like important for the speaker placement to be yeah. in the chin because it like actually then faces towards you. But still, yeah, people yeah. people are very split on the design. I think people either love it or hate it. And there doesn't seem to be very many people in the middle. I, I would say I fall in the middle with the design. Um, like I think it looks nice and I think it'll probably look significantly nicer in person. I'm not a huge fan of the chin, but I, I recognize that it's important to have that for putting the computer parts in, but I just think it kind of looks weird as it is now. Like IMAX in the past have had the Apple logo on the chin, which like it gives some sort of visual thing on the chin to look at. And these ones, it just looks weird having nothing on the chin except for the color. And also I think the white bezels look kind of weird. Yeah. I'm wondering how those will stand up. Yeah. I, I would have loved to see a more rounded corner design, like what you get on the iPhones or on the, um, on the iPad and just like an edge to edge affair. Like that would have been a lot nicer. I think all that said, I, I also think that the, the IMAX impressive. I think the bezels are going to look better in person. I feel, like I think so that. too. Like, I agree, but I, I think it's going to be one of those things where like, you know, the, the trees cheese grater Mac pro that everyone yeah. is freaking out about. I know that like not everyone's seen that in person, but it, it still looks weird in person, but it doesn't look quite as weird. If that makes sense. Like, Mm-hmm. It, it, there's just something about like actually having it in front of you that made that far too expensive computer look better than I think a lot of people are making it out to be just based on the photos that that was like my impression from like a year ago whenever when that whenever that was revealed and I think that that might happen with this too like a lot of the people that aren't fond of the design they're going to walk into an Apple store just on a whim when we can walk into stores again and they'll see it and they'll be like oh, okay the photos didn't really do this justice. It does look crazy thin. I think people aren't taking in how thin it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's definitely a factor. And, you know, when I look at the side profile pictures, like to me, it it almost looks like a side profile of an iPad pro in that like smart keyboard, right? Like it's very similar. The other thing I find, like I look at it and I feel like it's going to tip over. Like it doesn't look sturdy, but I can't imagine that that's going to be the case, you know, in real I'm life. imagining the base is going to be much, much heavier. Yeah. Like I, I just can't picture Apple putting out this fancy iMac and then people get it and it starts falling over because it, it's just not stable. Like that, there's no way that Apple would do that. So I, like, I'm not They've concerned had that, about it. The base has been that for years, basically, you know, like all the old iMacs basically had the same base. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, it it looks kind of weird in photos and it's one of those things where once once you get to see it in in real life it's gonna you know it's gonna look a lot better and it's gonna look probably you know more iMac-ish than what it does now so i one thing i just wanted to note first off before i get into the other thing was just like it's very disappointing there's no sd card slot i I truly thought that apple is going to listen to people and keep that around especially because rumors indicated that it's coming to the new macbook pro with with the m1 I, now i don't think it's coming to the macbook pro either like i think that they're just not going to put an sd card slot in a device again which is is disappointing because as someone who takes a lot of pictures that's the easiest way to get photos off a camera like they can tell me in briefings and and stuff all the time that i'm using that people use bluetooth or like USB-C, but no people use sd cards that's just the nature of the industry so there's that and then the other thing that i thought was kind of cool is the like single braided cord that comes off the back of it and then on top of that, the other thing that I think is really, really cool is the um, Ethernet cable inside the power brick. I know that yeah. that's not new. We, we've seen that from 
like you can buy power bricks that have that like that's a thing that exists i, I saw mm-hmm. a bunch of people talking about it on twitter but it, it's it's a neat idea it's like a forward thinking thing very very apple-esque right and it's a minor thing it doesn't really matter but it could also help some people with cable management or with ethernet cord management one thing to mention about that is not all of the Macs come with that. The base level one doesn't come with the Ethernet adapter, and it only comes with two Thunderbolt ports. It doesn't have four USB-Cs. It just has the two Thunderbolts. And it doesn't come in all the colors either, which is weird. You did a story about that, John, didn't you, today? Uh, I haven't written about the colors yet. Uh, I think it was assigned to me, but I'm here recording the podcast <laughs> instead. Um, so, both at the same but time. yeah, no, the, the, the colors are different. And the the USB port thing is frustrating because I feel like on any desktop computer, two USB-C ports is not enough. I would say that four USB-C ports is also not enough, but at least with that, you can get by. I saw on Twitter, people were talking about it's probably only a matter of weeks before we see some Kickstarter project that's a dongle adapter thing but it like plugs into the back and hooks down. So you have front facing ports below below the bottom of the monitor or, or something like that. So that's probably coming. The other thing is, and Apple didn't really say anything about this during the event, but the new iMacs support Wi-Fi 6. So yeah, it's nice that you can do the ethernet, but also I feel like if you have a nice Wi-Fi 6 router, you probably won't super need ethernet. Wi-Fi 6 is surprisingly good. That's currently what I'm using with my desktop PC. And it's it's been fine for gaming and stuff like that while I use it. I prefer wired still, but Wi-Fi 6 is fine. I think the people that really need wired would be like hardcore creatives. Like anyone working off like a central local server would probably want to be like wired into that as opposed to doing it wirelessly. But then again, yeah. those people probably aren't buying the base level iMac anyway. Well, there's a lot of people that tweeted me yesterday that like work in video editing that are waiting for like the upgraded version of this, the new like iMac Pro or whatever. They, they're they like, this is sick. Looks great. Doesn't have the power. Doesn't I have the screen size. That I want for my purposes. Yeah, the screen yeah. size is another thing too because this is only 24. This is 21 inch, right? 24, 24 inch. inch. They got rid of the 21. They replaced it with the 24. Yes, that is correct. The other cool thing that I kind of like is they found it. Well, I kind of like and I kind of don't like this, but they brought Touch ID to the upgraded included keyboard which is also the same color as the mac which is kind of cool and apple talks about how they had to like encrypt that wireless channel so people can't like hack your touch id wirelessly which is pretty cool but uh i'm kind of sad you can't buy those colorful keyboards on their own even without touch id i kind of just want one of the basic ones because my current keyboard is starting to fall apart it's coming eventually i think i'm sure like yeah i think so too can you buy the space gray one now yeah those came out the gray one now separately right yeah, but it's like $20 more, or at least it used to be, which was weird. But but yeah, it's weird. Even the new keyboards, though, there's, there's a new design, and the, the keyboards they sell are still the old design, which is very un-Apple. Usually if they go move forward, they move forward, you know? But here we are. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about with the iMac? Like, that was probably one of the biggest, not me personally, but like the biggest, most surprising, I guess, for some people, announcement from from the event. Or do we want to move on and talk about the iPad Pro? I just have to apologize to John Prosser. I, I don't know how many times I called him an idiot. I was like, those renders, not happening. Why would you even make renders? If you're going to leak something, don't like mislead people with all these fake renders. And like, he got the last cut. week about it. I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm, I'm here. I was wrong. I'm admitting it. Sorry, John. I hope your eyebrows grow back. Not you, John. John Prosser. Prosser. He got that one right. He was still, he was still wrong about the, uh, the Apple event date in general. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> cost him his eyebrows. Yeah. 
yeah, the, the only two other things I was going to say, it's neat to see Apple put some focus on upgrading the camera, speaker, microphone situation going on there. So that that's really nice. I mean, a 1080p camera is kind of meh when you consider everything else about this, but it's better than what they had. And the mic thing is totally a page out of the Microsoft Surface Playbook because Microsoft always talks about how that how they have the two studio mics in their Surface uh, devices. So Apple kind of just one up them there and said, yeah, we have three. Suck it. And they have like noise isolation <laughs> now. Like they showed in the video that there was like kids screaming in the background as kids do. And the person was on a video call. is like, you can't even hear the background. So I don't know if that's actually going to work out as well as they say. But if it does, I mean... It's a pretty cool situation to have built into your computer. Yeah, yeah. I I doubt it'll work that well, but um, mm -hmm. the idea yeah. is I think they use beamforming to kind of directionally point the microphones at the main source of audio to help reduce the background audio. So, you know, it'll probably help, but it probably won't be as good as like a nice microphone system and, you know, a quiet room. <laughs> the quiet room is key. Yes, very, very important. Better. Do you want to do you want to outline the stuff with the iPad Pro? For me this was like the most lackluster announcement despite it being cool that the iPad Pro now features the same chip as all of Apple's other devices for the most part with the exception being the the iPhone. Yeah, we got to see Tim Cook go go Mission Impossible on us. No no weed jokes. There was no weed jokes on Apple's 420 event, but we did get this Mission Impossible skit. John on Twitter pointed out to me that the only grass that we saw during the event <laughs> was the grass at Apple park, which I yeah. found very fascinating. Cause I've been there several times over the years, like since they opened it up um, mm -hmm. to, to, to media for events and stuff like that. And it always looks super barren. There was like no landscaping. There was no grass. There was nothing there, which always seemed weird to me, but the grass has finally grown and it looks like it's going to be like a wild sort of situation. They're not going to, do a lot of uh, maintenance, which is which is neat to see. Yeah, um, it was cool. Yeah, I'll stop talking about the grass at Apple Park. But, <laughs> but yeah, so the uh, iPad Pro is coming out in the second half of May, and it, uh, like you said, the the main difference is it now has an M1 chip. So the iMac, the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and the iPad Pro now all have the exact same chipset. Which, looking down the line, I think points to maybe an iPhone with an M chipset and then all of Apple's things on the same like series of chipsets. What does that allow for like app compatibility and things? But I won't get too far into that because that's in the future. But yeah, I think the other big updates would be the liquid retina display XDR, which uses mini LEDs. So it has the 12 or the larger one has 2,500 dimming zones. And the smaller one, I think has six, uh, no 576. So they're not the exact same, but, uh, so the larger one has a slightly better display. It has the ability to get brighter, but they both have mini LEDs, which is a new form of display technology that should make them more like an OLED display. To my understanding, the liquid whatever Retina XDR marketing display stuff, that's only coming to the big boy, not to the little one. That would maybe make sense why there were so many less dimming zones in the small one. Like you would think that they would be yes. also in the thousands. So that, that makes sense. I'm 99% sure that was like when, when I was in briefings yesterday about it, that was one of my big, my big questions was just to confirm that was the case. Cause I know there was some confusion on, on Twitter and that's like an effort by Apple to try to differentiate the two devices in some way beyond just the size of the display. Right. That makes sense. 
That makes sense. Yeah, the uh, smaller one only goes to 600 nits too, and the other one goes to 1600, I think. I think I'm right then for sure. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Uh, we also got 5G. We've got the Thunderbolt port on there with like, what is it, like 40 gigabyte per second transfer speed. So you can connect it to a Pro Display XDR and do like 6K work from your iPad and your Pro Display XDR if you're just like the richest Apple fan ever. Yeah, that's really cool. I guess it has the, the the camera on the front now is 122 degree wide angle. So like if you put it up on your counter and like you walk over here, the camera like shifts to follow you like the Facebook portal does or the Amazon Echo Show 10, you know, it can like follow you, which I think is actually a pretty smart feature. And I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if this comes to iPhones and will be huge on iPhones. What did they call that center stage, I think? Yeah, center stage. Yeah, um, something like that. Stage. And then you can also get it in 8 or 16 gigabyte RAM configurations because it's an M1 logic board with that setup basically the same as uh, the Max. And uh, it also can come up to 2 terabytes storage now, which is new. So it's becoming the very computerized, is all I can say. That's the first time that Apple's ever talked about RAM in the context of an iPad, right? I think yeah, so. Yeah, it seems like it. They they haven't really talked about it with any iOS or iPadOS devices, as far as I know, ever. I think the simple explanation is probably the one that's correct in this situation because it's a system on a chip. All the components, the CPU, GPU, neural engine, RAM, they're all on the same chip. So if Apple already offers the M1 in 8 gig and 16 gig configurations, and then they put that same chip in the iPad, it's going to offer those configurations because that's what's built into the chip, right? So I think that's really why they shared the RAM amount, because even if they didn't say it and they just said, oh, the iPad has an M1 chip, well, look at the M1 chips in the in the iMac and the in the MacBook there, eight gig and sixteen gig configuration. So that's probably what's in the iPad too. So I think I think that's really where the RAM configuration part comes in. I don't think that Apple's trying to, you know, really sell the iPad as a computer because they've been doing that for years without telling us how much RAM is in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the weird thing about this is like last year's iPad Pro was baller. People were editing 4K videos on it anyway. So now you mm -hmm. can like do multiple 4K videos. It's like, who is who are these people that need all this power on their iPad? I'd love to meet someone that's like an iPad power user. I wish I was, who, but yeah. Who is connecting a 6K screen to their iPad? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I know. who. How much is the Pro Display XDR? Like five grand? So you're spending like seven... Crazy seven or eight grand for this setup and plus you've got to buy the magic keyboard because you're you're gonna go all out which also now comes in white you know if you're one of the people one of those people that wants a, a brighter look to your office i guess but um yeah it's a i don't know i love the ipad pro i love all the power but i don't necessarily understand it the one thing that i wanted to mention about the the white magic keyboard like that seems like a crazy misstep to release a white keyboard to me that's going to get incredibly dirty incredibly quickly yeah, then you got to replace it with another one. Uh, Apple says that it won't. That's what they told me. They just told us that it <laughs> wouldn't get dirty? It won't. Yeah, and they said that it's designed to be easily cleaned and that it won't get dirty and that it won't show scuffs and scratches and whatever in the way that I assume it will. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> if it's designed <laughs> to be easily so. cleaned, then like, why would, why would they make it easy to clean if it's not going to get dirty? Yeah, good, good point. Yeah. You're reading between the lines there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah, whatever. I don't see many people buying the white one either for that reason, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Bennett, I get I get what you're saying about the, the iPad Pro not making a lot of sense because it's got all this power like the MacBooks, but it's not a MacBook, right? So I think 
that makes a lot more sense if the iPad is able to run Mac OS or something in the future. I doubt Apple would ever do that, but to me, this seems like them building towards something like that where you can run Mac apps Mac or apps, yeah. some sort of, you know, more productive operating system on, it's on the It's already the other way around, right? So you could see that happening at some point. That's what I think what we're hoping for, right? That's That has to, I think we talked about this when the M-Series ships came out last year. I, yeah, it was last, definitely last year. When the M-Series ships came out last year, I think we talked about like, this must mean that Apple is going to essentially at one day, like just be sort of like bridging, you know, iPad apps on, or iPhone and iPad apps on Mac and Mac apps on iPad. It's just like a matter of how they're going to do it. But yeah, I guess like it should be capable now. Yeah, hopefully. There's like touchpad support. Like it's basically a computer that's just like not running a computer. It is a computer that's just not running. Like it always was, but like now it's even further. Like it's got computer chips in it, computer RAM. It's got the mouse keyboard, like, <sighs> crazy craziness i like yeah, how they were like like literally literally at this point if you were to buy the ipad pro it's you're you're buying a mac that can't run mac apps that's what you're doing that's that's yeah. what the ipad pro is at this point mm-hmm. yeah i like how when they were like showing it off they're like journalists can use it for on the spot locations like who's going and using like an ipad as their camera nobody they were like doing quick hits Apple, Did you see this man really it's, with an it's iPad? A wacky world how much extra is an iPad tripod mount? It's so much bigger. Is it worth it? I don't know. The only other thing that I wanted to mention about the event and what sort of relates to all of these devices is despite them being available to pre-order towards the end of April, there's not, for most of them anyways, there's not a specific release date. They all say True. that they'll ship towards the second half of May. Which leads me to believe that a lot of those rumors surrounding stock shortages and like manufacturing, not problems, but shortages are likely true. Because this is one of the first times, especially amid the pandemic, that I have seen Apple not give like a specific release date. Like it's kind of like a window. You'll get it by the end of May sort of deal is what they're saying. Get it when you get it and you'll be happy. So that, I just wanted to mention that because it's, it's not what we usually see from the company. Yeah, that's fair. That is that is true. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, cuz the whole chip shortage that's going on right now extends much further beyond just, you know, Apple or or Qualcomm or like one company, right? Like it, it extends all the way to the foundries that are actually making and, and manufacturing the chips for these companies. So, I'm not I'm not surprised to see that at all and it's probably going to be an ongoing issue for a while. I just want to say that we got our like stat roundup today and my the, the second worst story on our site all of March was a story I wrote about Qualcomm saying they're going to have a chip shortage. It was like 13 people or something read it. I was, so that hurt, you Nobody know, people. Cares. What? But like chip shortages, it's affecting us all. I was shook. 13 people. What is that? It's like the worst story I've ever written in my yeah, life. Yeah. And it was such like a hard news story. Wow. I was talking, I, I was like looking at those stats and, and sometimes this is inside, inside mobile surf baseball here, but I think sometimes yeah. when we get those bottom story reports, if I edit the URL after a story has been published, mm. the original URL somehow finds its way into the report and maybe it's only been up for like 30 seconds and 13 people clicked on it, but that's what I, I was wondering. It, it shows up as a different story. Cause like I was that, like, that did could I be put this? Factor, did yeah. I put this up at like eleven fifty at the end of March? Like yeah, yeah. this seems like something more than thirteen people would read. So yeah, I don't know. That was crazy. 
but yeah, chip shortage. There's other wild. stories like that 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 I wrote myself that were in that list that I was like, there's no way that only like a hundred people read that. Like, like, there's absolutely no way. I like woke up on a Saturday morning, saw that the URL was bad, and I edited it or something. But uh, yeah, listeners don't care about our our, tra- our traffic stats and all this fun stuff. It's a traffic report. Mobile serve traffic report. Place. <laughs> Let me do a helicopter sound, and you pretend you're like a good place. flying over the city. <laughs> That sound like helicopter? That's that's yeah, a pretty impressive actually, yeah. helicopter sound. Oh my goodness! I have to get you a, a soundboard. Oh man, I've been wanting one for so long for my Discord chats. I want one for when every time I just enter, it just like claps like when Dolly Parton comes on scene and Hannah Montana. Everyone just like, <laughs> like a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I think let's uh, let's wrap it up and uh, let's talk about um, what we've been playing this week. So me, I, I like all I've been playing is Outriders. That's it. I don't have anything more productive to say about the game. I'm approaching the end game. I still really like it. It is still full of problems. Um, I mostly play it with my brother and I've run into like several instances where he just can't join my game or it crashes. I think some of that's related to him playing on an Xbox One and me playing on a Series X. But the game is compelling enough for me to to kind of push through that. I actually did a story about it um, on mobile syrup, not super long thousand words, just like my opinion of, of outriders and why I think it kind of does shooter shooters right. And uh, correct some of the wrongs that we've seen in destiny and, and, and other looter shooters. Um, and yeah, that, that's it. That's all I've been playing. It definitely seems like a bit of a sleeper hit this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an I undercurrent if, of outriders talk. I find, I think if they're able to iron out some of these technical issues, it could grow into something um, pretty unique and have, the ability to like stick around for a couple months because like gamers notoriously like jump from game to game especially people that play looter shooters well sort of i guess destiny is like a full-time job now at this point yeah that's, that's not uh not really true um, i get that yeah Bennett, Bennett, what have you been playing? honestly not much alex actually got me super mario 3d world for my birthday which was march 31st and <laughs> we started playing that so i uh, haven't been gaming too much but getting onto that a little bit and this is something that i'm actually not playing but one of my friends is and i've been kind of watching him and it's called like project zomboid and it's like this open world kind of like isometric it looks very old school but it seems like very kind of complex um you're basically like doing runs did, for this like, did that come out world. i don't know I, I, I don't know the backstory of it. He's playing it on PC, so maybe. But it looks pretty cool. It's like it's like very old school. It kind of almost looks like Habo Hotel graphics, but it's like zombies. Um, and he's like loving it. It's really cool. He like dies often, lots of runs going through trying to get his stuff. To me, if this so is probably I, I not going to exactly do it justice. The game you're talking about. Okay. If I had to describe it, it'd be like a zombie U that we use zombie game combined with Habo Hotel. It's kind of what it looks like to me, but not. It doesn't seem like as populated the world. I was super hyped about that game like a decade ago, and it was supposed to come out. It was like one of those early Kickstarter success stories when Kickstarter first became oh. a thing. And something happened where the studio lost the whole game. Like they didn't have a backup of it. Like really? they lost the whole thing entirely. I don't know if there was like a fire or someone broke in and stole something. I think someone broke into their office and stole all their computers. Oh my. And it was like one of the first big Kickstarter like controversies where they just like ghosted so it's i like i don't know anything about the situation and i don't remember the details but something like that happened so i'll have to like i'm gonna look into this right after the podcast that's fascinating to hear that it like actually came out i think i even backed the kickstarter (laughs) 
that's hilarious. Yeah, it it looks cool. If I if if I get some more free time, I might pick it up and play with him. It looks pretty fun. What about you, John? Nice, John. What have you been playing? With EA Play coming to or yeah, EA Play. That's what it's called now. I don't, I, for some I reason, so, yeah. I thought it might have been EA Access, but EA Play came to Xbox Game Pass on PC finally, and I was like, great. I'm going to play Jedi Fallen Order nice. because I've wanted to try it out and didn't really feel like buying it, but I was able to get it through Game Pass and it was actually sick. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed playing it. So yeah, that's just been a blast. And then I've also started playing Battlefield 4, which is like a really old, well, not really old, but like an old, really old Battlefield game, older old Battlefield game. 10 years? It's got to be. That like came out with Xbox One, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think it came out in... 2014 2013 2015? i think 2013 2013 2014 something like that 2020 yeah i i skipped that one because you were too busy at the time hard line. i i played battlefield 3 and i loved it and then when battlefield 4 came out it, it had a lot of issues at launch and at the time i hadn't gotten one of the new consoles because i was like well i need a laptop for school so i bought a laptop instead and it wasn't powerful enough to run battlefield 4 so i never got the game but now that with EA access or EA Play, I have access to all the DLC. I've had I've owned Battlefield Four for several years now. I bought it because I have a computer that can run it finally, and I've owned the game for a while. But I never had any of the DLC, so finding servers to actually play was a pain. So now that I have the DLC through Xbox Game Pass, I've been playing it a bunch and really enjoying it um, because the last few Battlefield games haven't been modern games they've all been like based in world war one and world war two and they were still good but it wasn't quite the same experience as what i enjoyed about battlefield 3 so it's just been fun playing battlefield 4 and kind of waiting for the battlefield 6 hype to to start up because that's due out i think later this year so i didn't know you got the dlc with battle royale ea access or ea play that's cool because with xcloud you don't and i i hate that i want to play the forza lego add-on but i don't want to buy it yeah well, I think it depends on the game and with with Battlefield 4, because it's an older game, like That's EA true. had included yeah. all their premium DLC with, with EA Access, or I keep calling it Access, it's EA Play. They, they included all of that with their subscription thing anyway, so with Game Pass, you just get access to their subscription, so whatever was in their subscription, you get, cool. which I think is why the main reason why. But yeah, there's definitely some value there, and if you have Game Pass try out EA Play because uh, you get it for free as part of Game Pass and it's pretty sick. Yeah, Fallen Order if is you a like sweet EA game. Games. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is, yeah. I still, I downloaded it and then I never played it. I got all the you way to... It. How far did you get, John? I, I got to the boss battle at the top uh, of the I finished tree. the game. I beat it. Oh wow, okay. Nice. Yeah, I never finished yeah. it, but I think I, I'm I, I blasted maybe? through that game. Nice, yeah, it's fun. It's it, so good looking too. Yeah, it's kind of hard to measure progress because it's not a super linear game right because you can jump back and forth between the different worlds yeah so i i went to um kashik a few times and i it wasn't until the last time i went that i actually went to the top of the tree and did that boss fight nice yeah yeah it's cool so i think i think that's a good place to wrap up the podcast uh that's it thanks for listening to the syrup cast you can find me on twitter at at patrick underscore rourke and of course on mobilesyrup.com I should have some cool Apple event related product stuff that I can't talk about on the site later this week. We'll see. Should work out like that. 
Bennett, where can people find you? And do you have any recent stories that you've published that you want to highlight? Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere at the Bradfad. Uh, and I don't know, we, I put up a Cadillac Lyric thing this morning. It's like a $70,000 electric car. It's coming out in 2022. It looks like a man with a mustache. So if you're interested in that, check it out. That's all I got for a now. Man with a mustache. It does though, doesn't it? And John, where can people find you? Yeah, it does. No, it does. You're right. It definitely does. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont. That's J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. And of course, on the website, mobilesyrup.com, where I'm writing all kinds of stuff, such as I just put up the LG Graham 2021 laptop review, sweet laptop, and working on some other laptop reviews. Surface Laptop 4 is on the way. Get ready for that. It's exciting. Ooh, nice. Oh, I should say, I have a review of these headphones written, and I just need to edit it, and then I'll hand it off to Pat, so maybe that'll go up this week or next, but uh, these are pretty cool, although the Bluetooth on them, meh, but when you plug them in and make them wired, it's like surprisingly sweet, so not a great uh, really? selling feature for wireless headphones, but yeah, like when I was like, I literally couldn't understand. I was like, what is wrong with these? It's supposed to be so good. I'm not going to get too much into it, but then I finally plugged them in, and it was like a whole new experience. I had to like go back and redo a bunch of stuff in the review, so... Yeah, fun, fun times. Looking forward to reading it. Um, yeah, and, and as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening and watching. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.